Welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie, and Happy New Year, everybody. 2024. We are coming from the past right now as we record this. I'm Sarah. I'm Verona. And today's episode is about the 1980 slasher New Year's Evil. This was a first watch for both of us, and it was kind of a random pick when we were planning out our episodes for the month of December and what we were going to do going forward. We had been doing all Christmas movies for December, so we decided to try and look and see if we could find a good movie to do that was New Year's themed. And this was kind of a random choice, but we just were like, let's just go with it and see what we think. And it ended up being a super pleasant surprise because this was so much fun. Oh yeah, we both like had so much fun with this. Unsurprisingly, I feel like we both knew we were gonna like it because we both love 80s horror no matter like how bad it is um and this just seems like such a fun concept and it was i had a ball in this bitch and this was one of those times where like i went to letterbox and i wasn't surprised at the rating because we always have that joke about every time sarah and i love a movie we go on letterbox and we're like oh people hated this movie i knew people were gonna hate this movie people hate most horror movies from the 80s because they hate fun and they don't know how to let joy and whimsy touch their hearts and awaken their spirits but we do and we love it i am teehee pilled i am joy maxing exactly this was so fun yeah i'm really pleased with this this movie has some like really incredible trivia in it too which i'm really excited to get to as we go through it i have one did you guys know that the killer in this is actually Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> like, this man looks exactly like him, and they're both evil. Fuck you, Tom Sandoval. It was really scary. Like, as soon as you said it, you were like, does he not kind of give that vibe? And I was like, no, he really does. Like, he, they, they have, like, a very similar look to them. Something about, like, the eyes. And then he put the mustache on, and we were like, oh, it's game over. Um, the worm is here. I love, like, how many 80s horror movies open with, like, the generic corner shot of a tall building. Especially in L.A., like an L.A. one. And then they love the, like, going down, like, a busy L.A. street. Normally it's sunset, so I was surprised they didn't do that. It was downtown here, or in this one. And, like, a bunch of people in a car blasting 80s music. I literally was like, I want to be in that car so badly. If I could shift anywhere, right there. The hair, the makeup, the outfits. Like, I was instantly happy when we started watching. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm settled in. I'm ready to look at this for the next 90 minutes without complaint. Regardless of what the movie ends up being like, I'm just so happy to be looking at it. So that's fine. I love 80s movies. So good. Um, The sound design was incredible. So a nice little, like, happy, <laughs> happy moment for me. Um, and then we both were, like, so, so obsessed with the theme song. Yes, New Year's Evil by Shadow. Which they played twice in the very, like, opening. Like, they play the song as, like, the opening theme. Like, it's just playing over the movie. And then when the movie gets started and they, like, introduce the band within the show, the band immediately starts playing the song again. So twice in a row of hearing this absolutely incredible song i was so happy i also was really obsessed with the concert outfit that diane or blaze 
was wearing. It was like this shiny dress, shiny orange dress. And she was wearing like chains and a big like choker with it too. And like just her hair and her makeup, her whole vibe. And like the leopard jacket. Oh my God. I love her. She's such a cool character. Like, again, we love the 80s. Like both of us love the 80s so much, especially like 80s horror movies. We don't give a fuck what happens in the movies as long as they're set in the 80s and a horror movie. We're so into it. It could be the most dog shit movie we've ever seen. We still love it. I just love the aesthetics of an 80s horror movie and nothing will ever be able to like replicate that for me. And this one was so gorgeous. Like I love, we both were obsessed with the sign, the Hollywood hotline. I wish I was at this party. My dad loves to tell me stories about when he was like, you know, a teenager, young adult in the 80s and like the shit that he'd do. And I'm like, I want that to be me. We also have Grant Kramer uh, who plays Derek in this. And it was really funny because I actually, for the first time, clocked him immediately, which never happens, especially because where he's from is so your movie. I just got like weirdly lucky with it because I think I had been seeing stuff about it on my timeline because I follow like a lot of horror accounts that post like GIFs and stuff of like random movies. And so it was like fresh in my mind. And you were like, where do I know this man from? He's so familiar. And I was like, I was like, I'm begging you not to Google it because I want to surprise you so bad when we record later. Like, if you haven't figured it out by the end of this movie, like, I want to be the one to tell you because I think it'll be really funny. And you did. You figured it out, like, right in the last minute. And I was, like, so disappointed. I was like, damn it. I was really looking forward to getting to say, like, Killer Clowns. He's from Killer Clowns. But... Because it's fine. You figured it out. I had a feeling you would figure it out, too. At the beginning of the movie, I just was staring at him. I was like... Is he actually familiar or does he just have like that 80s face? Because like a lot of people in 80s horror or just 80s movies in general have a very distinct look to them so that you're always like, oh, they're from the 80s. So I was like, that might just be it. And then he said a line near the end that just like unlocked something and like triggered it. And I was like, oh, my God, killer clowns. Duh. I was going to say when I clocked him, I was like, I've. I know this guy and like I just saw him somewhere and I was like it's nothing I just recently watched because I haven't watched anything from the 80s recently and I was like it must have been like on Twitter or something so like think of what other horror movies this guy might be in and then I was like oh okay it's killer clowns like I've got it but even before that and after that I was like was he in Dynasty because he has he like you were talking about 80s face like he also has like Dynasty face yeah like from the 80s Dynasty I mean of course not the CW one but he's not so I was like, oh, okay. But there's another um, there's another cast member in this who's also not in Dynasty that I recognized. And I couldn't figure out what I recognized him from, so I had to Google him. He was in a single episode of an Australian miniseries from 2011. And that's what I recognized him from, which is crazy. But when I tell you what the miniseries is, maybe it'll make more sense because it's like iconic. But he was in a single episode of The Slap. For those who are unfamiliar... The Slap is a miniseries from 2011, and then for some reason, they decided to remake it, like an American version, literally only four years later in 2015, which is crazy, because I just watched it, like, recently, probably a couple years ago, and I, for some reason in my head, I'm like, that's from, like, the 2020s, but it's not. And it's also been parodied, like, a million fucking times in, like, sketch comedy. And the, the 2015 remake is the one that has Zachary Quinto in it. 
The Slap is that miniseries about the adult friends and they're like having a party and their kids are all there and one kid starts acting out and a grown man like slaps the shit out of him. Like not like knocks him the fuck down by slapping him in like retaliation for him acting out. It's also not his own kid that he hits. Like it's like one of his like friends kids and then like the, it like tears this friend group apart. This incident, right? But it's like a weird fucking soap opera that like evolves into like the some of the people are cheating on each other and like having affairs with one another and like this slap is like just what broke the tension to create this fucking problem it's so crazy to try and explain this like miniseries to people and some people are like ride or die for it they're like this was like truly the most like thrilling thing that happened on television and i'm like it was really stupid and weird i did watch it like it was weird it wasn't I don't know why people want to like pretend it wasn't as insane as it sounds because it was but anyway he was in a single episode the lieutenant cop he walked in and i was like that guy was in an episode of the slap like the original one like of course i love my brain so much i will never let anyone tell me something bad about myself knowing that that's how my brain works and as you shouldn't because i also love your brain and that it works like that so much you know who else was in this movie Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> oh, I have a new bit to run into the ground. If anybody is listening to this who doesn't get to the episodes like through our social media, please pause listening to this and go and look at either our Instagram or our Twitter. Please. And find the tweet about this episode. And if you're not familiar with Vanderpump Rules, if you're not familiar with Scandoval, please just... Do yourself a favor and look at the side-by-side -side comparison of this man that we're talking about and the killer from this movie. I promise we're not as insane as we sound. If you're not familiar with Vanderpump Rules or Scandaval, please come into my DMs and let me explain it to you in great detail. Or you could watch the hit show Vanderpump Rules. All 10 seasons are on Peacock streaming and season 11 starts January 30th. So you have time to do all of it. When he first calls, when Evil first calls Blaze, he's like, starts talking to her and she makes a comment about how he sounds like the Phantom. And I remember hearing that and being like, well, he, like, he doesn't sound like the Phantom of the Opera, but to me, he sounds like Phantom of the Paradise. So that's kind of funny, especially because she's kind of like punk rock and like, she's into like music and whatever. And then it turns out that like, that was exactly what the reference was. I looked it up after they were making reference to Phantom of the Paradise, which came out in 1974, if I remember correctly. So just like before this. And if anyone hasn't seen that movie, you should also go watch that because that's fucking incredible. But he does sound just like The Phantom of the Paradise. If you like rock operas and stuff, like, it's great. If anyone likes Repo the Genetic Opera or Phantom of the Opera or both, you should go watch Phantom of the Paradise. You're talking to me specifically. No, I love the killer's phone call. Obviously, we, like, are huge Scream fans. And so we just love anything that has, like, a phone call, like a killer that calls... And I love that they use that throughout this movie and that he records him like killing his victims and that he records like the countdown to New Year's in each time zone right before he kills them. I think that's so cool. I think this was such a fun concept. And like, I just love that he like plays that recording back for Blaze on the phone like every time he does this. What a good movie. Right after that phone call as well, when she goes up to her manager, Ernie, and she's like, did you hear that? Like, did you hear that guy that just told me he was going to kill a bunch of people that I'm like close to? And he goes, don't let it bug you. And I was like, hello. Um, <laughs> hello? hello? Not the correct response. Don't let it bug you. Well, 
I guess I won't then. My bad. Like you have a really negative attitude about this. Not even like, don't panic or like, we'll handle it, but don't like, don't let it stress you out right now. Like we'll get it handled. Not even that, just don't let it bug you. I, I really like how a lot of 80s horror movies, pretty much most of the ones that I've seen, especially these like slasher ones, the majority of the movie spends like so much time just exploring different like characters' relationships with each other with like, and I don't even mean deepening the characters while the horror's going on. I mean like completely separate from the, what's happening. I made a joke about like Derek's side plot in this cause like there's just so much going on. And then there's Derek just trying to kill himself in the corner like three different times. And like, it makes sense in the end, but like at the time we're like, wait, hello. Why aren't we like, what's happening over here? It's like, he just like doesn't understand that there's something else happening. And he's like, but look what I'm doing over here. And no one does. That man is like trying to suffocate himself with like a plastic bag in the hotel room on his own. He has like chronic 80s gay face. And I mean that as such a compliment. I also had a little like side note on here just about the movie as a whole, but this was like some oddly great realistic blood for a horror from the 80s. As somebody who like makes her own blood and has been like experimenting like a mad scientist on it for years, making realistic blood, it's no joke. I find like with a lot of the older horror movies, of course, like there's exceptions always. But just because like the science of all kinds of special effects makeup, but I feel like blood especially is so constantly evolving. This is just like something so niche that I get like so nerdy about specifically about special effects makeup blood. But I think because the science of how we make it, since it's so constantly evolving, I feel like when you watch a lot of older movies, if they get a kind of good blood going on, it's usually either one or the other is like wrong. It's either the color or the consistency is fucked up. So if you get like blood that acts like blood, it's usually like the wrong color completely. And if you get blood that is the right color for blood, it's usually like not the right consistency. It's like too thick or it's sticky looking or like something's wrong with it. This was so weirdly accurate. It was like the perfect consistency, the perfect color. I was literally had a moment where I was like, I am watching a snuff film. If everything else going on wasn't so corny and silly and fun, I would literally think that I was watching somebody actually get hurt. Good job, New Year's Evil. You got really realistic fake blood. And we love to see it. I just put them on a list somewhere. They were like, they, they thought they got away with it. Yeah, detective. Can we talk about how Lisa and Sally were in love? Yes. I love Sally. She is one of my new favorite horror characters, like, ever. I'm so obsessed with her. She had, like, 10 minutes of screen time, and that is, like, stretching it and a dream. And I love her. I love that as she's leaving with evil, she pulls up with her roommate which we all know what that means and is like yeah i'm not gonna get into like a car with a stranger without my roommate like i need someone for protection i was like oh i get it and then the whole car ride she's sitting there talking about the two of them she's talking about transcendental meditation it's a big word for elmo such a big word for elmo and how it like changed her life. Like she's doing so well. And it also helped Lisa with her nervous diarrhea. And immediately both of us text each other there. We were like us. Because me. <laughs> we famously just had a conversation the other day about how every time I'm in a hurry, like I have a Pavlovian response to being in a hurry where I just like shit myself. Um, they were in love. <laughs> yes. And the reveal of their bodies was so fucking cool. 
Those were some nasty dead body reveals. Yes. I was very pleased with the effects there. Rip to our girlies. The following scene was at the drive-in, which was awesome. And this is kind of the part where I realized that there was like so many cool settings in this movie. Like they really fit them all in, which we'll get to in a little bit as well. But I literally yelled the second that like the drive-in scene started and it showed the shot of the girl with her boyfriend. I was like, yo, This is how I'm trying to be right now. Getting your titties played on while smoking a joint and watching a double feature horror movie at a drive-in. Are you fucking joking? That girl was living my dream. Literally. This is what I mean when, like, I say I wish I was alive in the 80s because... What am I ever going to experience that? I'm not. There's just one little line in that part that I really like because he's dressed in his like priest disguise and these guys are like trying to harass him and he goes, I'm, I'm a man of God, not a man of violence. And then he immediately like rolls his eyes and stabs the guy. So good. So good. Yeah. Like we said, there is so many good settings in this. I don't know how you could hate this. I was having so much fun. They did the sanatorium and a new year's eve party a new year's eve party and like the car and then they did the drive-in and there was also the high school like bleachers and like the football field like they just hit so many tropes and it was all so good that scene at the high school like the at the the bleachers with the football field it made me really want to rewatch freaky (laughs) yes can we i love freaky oh awful mask by the way And I mean that as a compliment. So icky, so bad. Love it. I wrote like three notes that all have like the same within a minute timestamp because it was just whiplash and it was awful mask, great mirror shot. And then the most insane twist that I did not fucking see coming that was such a great little addition. Both of us immediately texted each other. We were like, yo, what a good twist. Neither of us were expecting that. The elevator drop scene that he does with his wife is so scary. They spent so long on him chaining her up and I was trying to figure out if he was chaining her to the elevator or not because the shots were a little weird. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening here, but they were kind of tight shots and it was like a little tough to see sometimes. Um, But holy fuck. That whole scene, terrifying. My jaw was on the ground the entire scene and it just kept going. I was like, holy fuck. I really love this movie. This is going to be another movie that I just like add into my rotation that I watch The only New Year's movie I watch is New Year's Eve, and that's not a horror movie, unless you consider the Leah Michelle jump scare. This was originally released, not originally released, but like one of its first airings, Turner Classic Movies, double featured Christmas Evil and New Year's Evil, which are both from the same year. Totally different people involved in making them, but they're both slashers from 1980. Oh my god, okay. And yeah, Turner Classic Movies, double build them, which is kind of cool. Love that. We have to do Christmas Evil next year. I think so. There's a like little part at the end here that really threw me off. And I yelled at you in the text. I was like, what the fuck? Evil is on the roof and he's getting ready to like kill himself. He recites some Hamlet randomly and then kills himself. And it fucked me up for the rest of the movie because I was trying to find a connection with Derek and with like evil and like, I was like, what is the Hamlet connection? There has to be like a message here that's thematically similar to Hamlet. There fucking isn't. He was just randomly quoting Hamlet, but I like it ruined, it almost ruined the end of the movie for me because I was trying so hard to figure out what thematically tied them together. Cause I was like, there's no way he would just quote Hamlet unless they're trying to tell the audience 
to like look at Hamlet and then compare it to this or something. And I, there wasn't a reason. They just did it. There should have been. I don't think that's a very nice thing to do to your neurodivergent viewers who were weird kids who were obsessed with their English class. I don't think that's a very nice trick to play on us because it really screwed up my brain for the rest of the movie. It was for the bitches who loved Hamlet. Because the reason I was so hung up on the Hamlet thing is because like the themes in Hamlet are like father and son. I'm trying to like say it in a way that anybody who's listening doesn't think I'm an idiot who doesn't understand Hamlet, but also not spoiling Hamlet for you at the same time. Because as you know, it's a relatively recent piece of media and I wouldn't want you to be so spoiled on it it like just came out literally just dropped um but yeah there's like a lot of themes and there's like kind of like a misguided hatred towards the mother and so i was trying to figure out how it tied into new year's evil but it, it kind of didn't like literally at all kind of does like to an extent i could see i mean yeah like maybe like if you really picked apart certain parts of it but at the same time i was like these are there's nothing here i'm really fucking like squinting and trying to find something here where there probably like there really wasn't anything okay there's a last shot kind of going on here with derek in the mask that he takes off of his father when he comes up to the body and he wears the mask and is like driving the ambulance with his mother in it after she survives the elevator drop. I want to know how nobody saw him in the front seat of that car wearing that fucking deranged Peter Griffin mask because the windows were not tinted and there was like tons of people standing around. No one's very observant, clearly. Well, they were all a little drunk, to be fair, but still. No, but I loved this. I had so much fun with this movie. Me too. And again, banger song. Within minutes of the movie starting, we both opened Spotify and put it on our playlist, which is really funny. Yeah. My dad was in the kitchen watching for most of it because he was making his Christmas cookies. And he was just like, wow, this is really bad, huh? And I was like, no, I'm having so much fun. He's like, well, at least the music's good. And I was like, it is. And he's like, you can always count on that in an 80s movie. He's like, it might not always be the best, but like, sometimes that's what you're in the mood for. And I was like, exactly. And he's like, and it always has good music. No, this was a favorite. I put this on my horror faves list, which is like, you know, hundreds of movies long, but I immediately put it on there when we were finished watching. It was so much fun. I'm like, very pleasantly surprised. And we just picked this at random. Like we were both like, we should do a New Year's horror movie because like, we have an episode coming out on January 1st. And then we looked up like a list of like New Year's horror movies. And this was like one of the first ones we saw. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Like, let's do this one. We both were like, yeah, sure. And it turned out to be so good. Yeah, I really liked the, um, I liked the synopsis a lot. That was like, you know, he's killing someone every hour to like do the time zones. I was like, that's such a cool, I, I like that. I like the idea and I want to know where that goes. So like, sure, let's watch it. I think a big reason why we picked it too was the fact that it's an 80s movie and we both just love 80s horror. Especially because we just did Black Christmas a few weeks ago, which is a 70s horror movie. And we kind of had this moment where we were like, we both like a lot of these older horror movies and it would be cool to make an effort to talk about them more because for the most part so far again we're not even finished one season of this podcast but we have talked about like a lot of early 2000s is a big one but early 2000s and like 2020s 2010s is kind of what we've mainly done a lot of the episodes on so we were like yeah we should definitely like make a concentrated effort to be digging back into like some of our older favorites too so the opportunity to do an 80s movie was like of course let's do it even without us just really liking the 80s, it was like, let's go back a little further. Exactly. And also now, like, I have not been able to stop thinking about Black Christmas, like, since we watched it. Like, I am, it's one of my, like, 
new favorite Christmas horror movies and just Christmas movies in general. Like, I'm going to watch that again before Christmas because I love it. So we're currently recording this on the 16th of December. So we're recording it a few weeks earlier, like I said, doing a little time traveling here. It's been kind of funny because these last couple of weeks at the end of the year here, we have been recording closer to the episode air dates than ever before in the year. So for me to be like, oh, we're time traveling, like we're recording this two weeks before anyone's going to hear it is funny because like that is cutting it close for us. Like we're usually months in the past. So sometimes when we do these little, what have you been watching moments, they're so outdated by the time the episode comes out, but this one will be a little bit closer, which is cool. What have you been watching? I got the AMC A-list. I'm just always at the fucking movies. There was one day like a week ago now where like I just went and saw three movies, one right after the other, like within minutes of each other. So I saw Dream Scenario, which I did not love. And I was surprised to find out that a lot of people did, but also most people had the same takeaway of it as I did. So I was like, okay, I feel good here. At least I'm not like fucking stupid and like fully missing something. Then we saw Renaissance and everyone knows how I feel about Beyonce. And then I saw Poor Things, another just unreal movie. I have not stopped thinking about it since I watched it. Are you a Yorgos fan? Do you like his work usually? That is honestly my first movie of his that I've seen. So now I want to go back and watch his other ones. Like I know The Favorite is a big one and that one's been on my list for so long. I just, I don't know why I haven't done it. And then I wanted to watch The Lobster after I talked about it with Bowie because she watched it. And then I don't know much about his other movies, but I want to watch those ones too. Killing of a Sacred Deer is one that I really like, but it is not for everybody. Some people think it's like a little dark and weird, but I think I think that might be one of my favorites from him. That's one that I also had on my list because that was in a lot of people's like top spot. Oh, Nicole Kidman's in it. Duh. That's why. Gagged me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, dude, you watched all of her movies. I don't know how to... I I didn't. I have, like, 50 more Nicole Kidman movies to go. Because she's in, like, 600 movies. I don't think I have 50 left. But I have a lot of Nicole Kidman left to get through. But I did have that week a while ago. My God, it was literally last year. No, it wasn't. Time is literally fake. Last year, I had, like, a really weird mental breakdown. And one week, I watched 30 Nicole Kidman movies. And you are so real for that, actually. So what have you been watching? I haven't been watching a lot of new stuff or working on my watch list for the last like week or so. I don't know why. I think I like just was like, I'm just taking a breather. Give me a minute. I did go see the boys in the boat. I started doing the Monday mystery movie thing with Regal. I've been wanting to do that. I've been wanting to do that. And then the AMC one, because AMC recently started doing that because Regal did. And I was like, oh, that would be just so fun. I'm also hoping that like, I'll get like a movie that I really want to see. It's really funny because I always just like didn't bother going because I was like, oh, you know, it'll probably be like the movie that they're not selling tickets for very well usually. And then sometimes it'll, they'll tell you on the thing, like this is a movie that's not out yet at Regal. Like it'll be coming. It's not like anything fancy that like you wouldn't get to see otherwise, but they're like, it'll come out at Regal in like a month so you can see it now. And I kind of like hadn't been really interested in a lot of the movies that were coming out soon at that point. And so I was like, oh, you know whatever I don't I'll get to it when I get to it and then one of my Twitter mutuals was like I didn't go one week and I usually go but I didn't go one week and it was fucking bottoms like two months before it came out and I was like I'm I have to start going I can't miss them it's five dollars 
Yeah. Like, whatever. What made me want to start going is because of them. I want to talk about your Saw 3 screening that you went to. Yes. We both had big Saw 3 days that day, and you did not want to end up going. You were, like, not feeling up for it, which is, by the way, fine. Totally not dogging you for that. But you were like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, if you go, you're not going to regret having gone. Like, just so fucking depressed that week and, like, so anxious that day. And I was like, if you go, you're not going to be sitting there and being like, I'm depressed and I shouldn't be here. Like, you're still gonna have a good time if you go. It's just really hard to get up and go, which I get. But I was like, if you get there, you'll be, like, happy that you went. There's no part of you that's gonna regret having gone to it. And you were right. And then you had such a good time! And I'm so glad you got to go. Like, it makes me so happy because if anybody should have gone and seen the lesbian gay sex Saw movie at a cool special screening... It was me. It had to be yeah. you. No, literally, this is why I always text Sarah when I'm feeling like that before going to something. I text Sarah because I'm like, I don't feel like going. Like, I just, like, I'm not doing well, like, all this stuff. And Sarah's always like, just get up and go. Like, you'll be fine when you're there. And I'm like, you're right. I have to go. And I always end up having a good time. And I'm like, you were right. It's also, like, a little bit selfish of me. And I'm, like, living vicariously through you when I do that. Because I should be in LA going to those, like, panels and screenings also. But I can't. So when you're like, oh, I have the opportunity to go do this, like, really cool thing but I don't know. I'm like, if you don't go, I'm gonna fucking haunt you. So I went to this really cool little place in Burbank called Wish House Parks and they're so amazing. They're a coffee house. They also have an escape room. They have a shop. They're a little cafe. They do screenings every week. It used to be every night, but now it's every week. And they also have like a psychic and like all this other cool shit there. Like they're an incredible little independently owned place in Burbank. And there's this like street in Burbank that's kind of known as like Horror Row kind of. And it's like all these little Halloween-y or spooky stores and places to go to. And so this is kind of a new addition. I had only seen this because I randomly got an ad on Instagram for their Saw 3 screening and I immediately took a screenshot and sent it to Sarah and was like, I have to go. And then it was like, with special guest, Darren Lynn Bowsman. And I was like, I have to go. So I bought a ticket immediately. Also, the date that it was set for was the same date that I had booked to get my Saw 3 tattoo. So we were like, it's a sign. It's kismet. We were like, this is a sign. Like, I have to go because you're getting your Saw 3 tattoo. I'm going to go see Saw 3 in this like cute little place. So I walk in immediately and it's like Amanda and Lynn being gay as fuck. And I was like, all right, I'm fine. It's like, everything's fine. Um, I also literally walked past Darren Lynn Bowsman to get inside. Like he was just standing outside hanging out with like the owner talking to her. He introduced himself. It was like a very small like screening. Like there was probably like 50 at most of us. And even then that's like stretching it. I can't count people people for shit so it might have been like 20 to 30 it's just so cool to see saw like on a big screen like with like a bunch of other people who love saw 3 and like love the saw franchise so afterwards darren lynn bowsman comes in and he has like two boxes of donuts that he just like found around the corner that he was like hey i bought you guys donuts like here you go pass them around and then he just stood there for like over an hour after the movie just answering like as many questions as he could giving out prizes like all this stuff he like gave full in-depth answers to like each question like he took the time to like really make sure that he was like giving that person like attention and told like the coolest stories about like 
everyone also. He told us Tobin Bell was supposed to come that night, but he wasn't feeling well, which broke me. Because if I had been in the same room <laughs> and then told us that he invited Lee Winnell to come and Lee straight up said no. He like stood there afterwards and was like, I'm going to like hang out and like talk to anyone who wants to talk. So we went up and talked to him and we just like talked for a while. He appreciated the fact that Sarah and I had seen Spiral. Me, 26 times. Sarah, over 50 at this point. And then I showed him Sarah's tattoo. He just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And he thought it was so cool that it happened like on the same day. Sarah has the coolest fucking Saw 3 tattoo, by the way. Like, And then I'm soon going to have a Saw 3 tattoo. So we're both going to have really cool fucking Saw 3 tattoos. It was just a really cool experience, a really good time. I was so happy that I went. He um, also dropped some spiral lore, which we're yes. not going to repeat. But like... um. Spiral lore that was like so deeply personal to us, I think. It'll hit me at random and then I'll have to like brace myself because I'm like, oh my god. No, because you know what I think about a lot? That's the only one that remained from the original concept of Shank. Verona was texting me. Anybody who knew me also from like Dynasty fandom, I just want to say I've never headcanoned anything in my life. All I do is prophesize. You're right. You're always right. That's the scary part. Okay. Because I couldn't text Sarah live in the moment because I was recording everything because I wanted to make sure it was actually happening and that I got it right. So the second that it ended and I stood up to go talk to him, I texted Sarah like a string of like words and I knew that she would get it. I think I texted you like spiral shank and you were like, got it. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I've ascended to another plane. Because that that's going to be my review the next time we watch Spiral. No one will know what that means except for you. Well, I will. Everybody who's listening to this will. That's if they figure it out. That's if they even follow my letterbox. Big Easter egg moment. How to find it. That wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be starting The Babysitter. In the meantime, check out our link tree, which is WYFSM. That will have links to all of our socials, including our Twitter, WYFSM Podcast, as well as our Instagram, WYFSM Pod. It also has links to every place that you can listen to our show. See you guys next week and Happy New Year! Bye!